Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat. And as most of you know, we announced that we are going to be introducing a little Bearcat into the world. So appreciate all the all the loves there. Uh, but you know what? Right now, I think this is a, a great opportunity. We have a great podcast lined up for you. It's a lot of content. So I don't need to be too long here. But one of the things we have promised you, our dear listeners, is that from now until we reach a thousand thousand our first thousand followers on Twitter, which we're getting close, uh, we're gonna read a five star review of the week. And this week's review comes to you from JM Lives 27. Five stars, guys. Five stars. Love this pod. Gets me pumped up every morning I get to listen, especially when the throwdowns on opposing fans comes rolling in after wins on Monday. Keep up the trash talk. All bowed down to the Bearcats. Here's my question. How amazing had the Bearcats band been this year at Nippert? Nobody can touch this group this year. So good. Great question. I got to say, great question. We have not mentioned the marching band this season. This sounds like a, a, a listener who could potentially be in the marching band themselves. But nonetheless, they do deserve their kudos. I will say this. I haven't been to a game, and I'm sure I'm going to draw uh, much criticism for this. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's many, many reasons, explanations I could provide, but all I will say is that the band has been elite this season and that even on TV, you can feel the energy. They're tight. The, the, the sound is in unison. And this is coming from a former former marching band guy myself. The band has been slapping. All right. It slaps this season. Keep it up. I'm loving what I'm hearing. Hummer, what would you say about your experience during, uh, for the game you went to? Well, first off, yeah. So for most of you who are longtime listeners or first time listeners, uh, I've lived in Philadelphia for the last five years of my life. I currently live in New York. I get to go to the games when I can. I try to get to at least one a year, if not more. Uh, so this year I had the privilege of going to Murray state. Uh, and I got to say, you know, the student section was fun. And I remember a time when the band was not front and center in the student section. Like I say, I, I dig the change. I love it. It brings a whole nother level of atmosphere. And I love the fact that when an opposing kicker is coming into our student section, not only getting just the, the beautiful obnoxiousness of our of our student section, they're getting serenaded with wonderful horns. We have the best horns in all the world. And great songs too. Like Down the Drive is, is a song and, and a drumline performance that that you need elite performances from the band. Like it can take the the vocals from the crowd to a whole nother level. So uh yeah, it's been really good stuff. And uh, I'm also going to put pressure on you, Hummer. I think the announcement of Baby Hummer deserves a little bit more than a, pass, a passing mention at the very start of the podcast, okay? Like, I, I need a little bit more from you on, and there's going to be a new Hummer. 
let's I mean, let's celebrate this a little bit. It's a March Madness baby. This baby's coming into the world in the midst of March Madness, which is so fitting. Um, I guess it's fitting because I'll be on maternity leave being able to watch the games as if I just had my ball snipped. Uh, you know, so if, if, if baby Hummer, when I, when I go upstairs, go to bed tonight, I'll, I'll, I'll go and start, you know, dropping hints as we get further along the season on what an appropriate day is to actually be born, you know, due date of March 14th. So we're going to be right in the thick of it. Um, you know, maybe come the Saturday before selection Sunday, you know, just, just come on or come that Friday. It's fine. Conference championship game. I can watch it from the hospital. I got a phone. My wife not like, why not like that, but it's all right. Selection Sunday. We'll be ready. We'll be ready to know, you know, where I'm going to be watching at least where the team will be while I'm watching it in New York in my apartment. But look, it's exciting. Uh, but frankly, it's not as exciting right now as the Bearcats being number two in the nation in both polls. How miraculously, you? I know, I know. It is, it uh, is my at wife, least, my wife doesn't listen. Least, it is at least equally as exciting. I'm extremely happy for you. I'm, I'm glad that it's out there. It's public. People know about it. This is going to be an amazing time for you and your wife. And uh, yeah, I know that people are happy for you as well who listen to this. So big times ahead for the Hummer household. And, uh, you know, I won't wake, make you suffer through going into your, your emotions, deepen your emotions here anymore on the pod, but happy for you, buddy. It's awesome. Big, big stuff. Nice. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just taking all the, all the, the sale out of my <laughs> flags here. Cause you know, as, as you get closer and closer, you're just like, oh, well, life's going to change. So, you know, and it is going to change. We're going to be living in a world where the Bearcats have won a national championship. <laughs> um, we're going to live in a world where, where I have a tattoo, uh, a tattoo and a, and a boy or a girl. We don't know yet. Uh, a little Bearcat. And we're, we're going to live in a world where Wes Miller defies the odds. Uh, sh- just just explodes onto the scene uh, for for big time college basketball. He's gonna take Bearcats. I'm not gonna say to the promised land, but he's gonna take us back to where we rightfully belong, which is in the NCAA tournament, fighting for a chance at a national championship. That's the world we're gonna live in. That's the world I want to bring my future Bearcat into. That's beautiful. What a beautiful, it's a stunning world. So let's leave it there. Hummer, we had a a good episode today. Great episode today. Uh, The councilman, Joe Barnett, is back on the podcast to revisit. uh, Well, we had a little bit of Navy chatter, a little bit of big picture chatter, and then we revisited our preseason position by position previews and kind of have have talked about how things played out with some surprises and then made fun of ourselves for being horribly wrong on several over under picks. And then at the end of the podcast, you can hear gambling, Sam come back on where we make our predictions for the upcoming game against Tulane, as well as some Bearcat basketball futures. So without further ado, the councilman, Joe Barnett. We are now joined by the councilman. Joe Barnett is back on the podcast. 
to help us look back at our position previews, sort of do a mid-season recap review of each position group or or at least the position groups we find most interesting and maybe talk a little bit about Navy and where the Bearcats are heading from here. So Joe, Mr. Councilman, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Finally, the Councilman has come back to the Cincy Slangin' podcast. It's good to have you back, sir. How are you feeling? How have you been? Been doing well, guys. Bearcats are kicking ass. I've gotten back into my old ways in Nippert Stadium, getting tore up from the floor up, having to rewatch parts of the game the next day because I'm a little hazy on what happened. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. So take me through your recovery plan. Like you, so you head into every Saturday or Friday night, you're heading into those games and you, and you're knowing like, all right, I'm going to absolutely leave nothing on the field or leave it all on the field. I guess like there's going to be nothing left in the chamber. I'm emptying it. I'm going to give everything I have to this tailgate experience to cheering at the games, whatever the case may be. What does the Joe Barnett recovery plan look like the next day? I've been doing pretty okay as far as recovery goes. I've been towing that line of going too far, and it's been great. It's been (laughs) awesome being in Nippert Stadium. You know, I uh, hydrate after the game, kind of work my way slowly back down to normal. And with these early games, I've been feeling just fine by Sunday morning. Is there a go-to breakfast that next day? What's the hydration schedule? Are you, are you mixing in Gatorades, body armor, water? Like what, what are your go-tos here? I want specifics. Monster rehab is a key component to my recovery plan. It's got a little bit of electrolytes in it. It's got that caffeine that you need. And then just mix in some ice cold waters, probably something a little greasy on the stomach and all is well. <laughs> I love it. Electrolytes are for losers. Just kidding. Where's the Pedialyte? I I haven't been in a point yet this season where I've been like truly absolutely annihilated, but my wife has been going to all the games with me, so she keeps me in check a little bit. And this next game at Tulsa, I'm actually driving the Republic trailer. So I really got to behave myself uh, for homecoming, which is going to be a challenge in itself. Far more challenging than what the Bearcats are going to get on the field. Well, I will. I'll let you in on a little secret. I definitely needed a Pedialyte after the stalwart uh, of Murray State cincinnati at nippert uh pedialyte is is a lifesaver out there for you this podcast is not brought to you by pedialyte but go grab your pedialyte (laughs) you heard it here post republic of cincinnati tailgate or diarrhea pedialyte's the answer I'm going to have to reach out to them and and Mike and see if we can get a sponsorship, maybe get a nice ad slapped on the back of the trailer. There you go. The newest sticker on the trailer. I love it. You open up one of the coolers and it's just filled with Pedialyte. That's not a terrible idea. 
I've heard worse. <laughs> Warning, they are kind of gross though. Like no joke. Like it's they look like they would be appetizing, but it's really like a watered down cough syrup at times. So that's your warning, but glad to see you're making out alive. Glad to see you're not to the point where you have to uh, drink what is supposed to be something for children uh, that they should be completely rebranding into, you know, like uh, adult night out light. I don't know. Funny that you say that they actually sell a similar product at the Kroger liquor stores, and it's actually made by Pedialyte. So I think they've actually tapped into that market already. They've leaned into it pretty hard. Nice. All right, boys, I'm moving us on. We're not doing any more Pedialyte talk. That was incredible analysis from the both of you, though. I want to get Joe's take on the Navy game. I want to see what his big takeaways were, where he's at mentally after that performance. Does he have any concerns? Is it an aberration? How are you feeling after that Navy performance, Joe? I'm going to say that I still I still feel really good about this team. And I actually did a little bit of research earlier today to kind of see how playoff teams have stacked up. And pretty much every single playoff team has had like a close, I'm not really sure what happened type of game. A lot of times with a team that really wasn't very good. So... I think it's probably good in the long term that they got tested, that, you know, they got pushed a little bit. It was definitely disappointing because, you know, all signs were pointing to success. They basically destroyed the triple option last time they played. And this time they weren't quite as aggressive. It didn't seem like they were holding their assignments as well. And then Navy all of a sudden decided that they wanted to throw the football, which was kind of a strange revelation. So, I, I liked I liked and respected Navy's approach. It very much felt like a, you know what? Why not? Like why why not do these things that are counter to what we typically do as a school and as a program? Uh, let's just go for it. We're playing the number two team in the country, and let's just see what happens if we get a little frisky out here. I respect it. Yeah, I've heard it a few times now, but basically, a lot of people kind of feel well. Navy didn't really have anything to lose in that game, so. Might as well just go for it, try some different things, give some different looks. You know, I think that's what a lot of people are expecting out of UCF, but they just weren't able to, you know, get it together. But UCF did, I feel like in the end, try to, they did bring out some different looks. They were running that signature, the signature Statue of Liberty play, and they ran multiple different variations of it, but it seemed like they were doing a lot more on the offensive side, trying to get our defense uh, a little tripped up. Uh, on the Navy side, though, too, like, you know, we've kind of heard about this being their game all year is to slow the game down. And that did seem like that's what they were doing. I think that onside kick on the in the first half was more along those lines of like, all right, this is the second game of the or You know, this is this is the biggest game we're going to play all year. Let's do something they're not going to expect. But, you know, the, the passing stuff, I mean, they averaged three and a half passes per game. So, I, I mean, how many did they actually have in that game? I don't think it was that much more, you know, than, than their typical average. But a lot of those, I think they tried to do it later in the game when they know they needed to actually move the ball quicker. But once they did, stuffed. Yeah, they, they threw 15 passes in that game, which was their season high. And 
from what I understand, that Ty Levitai gentleman, uh, thank you for your service, is a lot more of a passing quarterback than a running quarterback, you know, when you look at the Navy guys. So um, all in all, doesn't really matter. We're not going to see him hopefully ever again. And we can say goodbye to the triple option. Yeah. Farewell Navy. Um, Until UCF has to resort to running it because they can't do anything else. It sounds, Oh God. (laughs) It sounds like Joe, you are more in the camp of that. Like, you know, don't get, don't get too bent out of shape about it. And maybe it's easy to say now being, I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday but I know the day of the game, the day after the game, there's a lot of anxiety and tension in the air about what this would mean in terms of national perception. And I feel like what I spent some time thinking about after the game was how we as a fan base are, we, we sort of get our enjoyment of the games themselves and what's happening in them a little bit distorted by what we think the national media will do and say, and think about our performances. And it, and it's, it's unfortunate. Like, I guess I, what I came back to is like, man, this is not how to enjoy UC football, especially in a year where, and I just started listing things out. I'm like, the Bearcats are seven and oh, the Bearcats are ranked number two in the country, which is the highest in the history of the program. We've won 24 consecutive games at Nippert. Do I have that count right now? We're at 24 consecutive wins at Nippert. The, I believe the, so. the defense is the second ranked defensive unit in the nation uh, per per PFF. They have the fourth best scoring margin in the entire country. Des Ritter has spent a solid portion of this season being a Heisman trophy candidate, but he's also on track. Like you mentioned in your preview piece, which is maybe a nice transition. He's on track to become the third winningest quarterback in the history of college football. We also have the nation leading pass efficiency defense, which is, which is, led by two Jim, Jim Thorpe Awards semifinalists, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and Jerome Ford is leading the country, tied for the lead in the country with rushing touchdowns at 13. There's so much to be excited about, so much to be happy about, and they are, they are surpassing preseason expectations in all honesty, yet somehow it, there's still like this underlying anxiety and tension that can come up, even during games when we never really were in jeopardy of losing that game. We never were in jeopardy. So I just think sometimes it's nice to kind of bring it back home and remind ourselves of how great things actually are right now if you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. 100% agree. I mean, the only point in the Navy game where I even got an inkling of concern was when they recovered that onside kick. But kind of like when we were up at Notre Dame, I just felt like this team is too good. They're going to force Navy to make a mistake because Navy has to score here. and that's exactly what happened. So this team is good. They played a game against a team. That's just a Royal pain for everyone. Obviously the AP and coaches voters recognize that because they moved UC up in the coaches poll, which I was very surprised by the AP poll held steady. And then Oklahoma fell back after a bad performance against Kansas. So it's pretty clear this team's getting a lot of respect and it's going to be Really interesting to see what happens next week when the first CFP rankings come out. You're in up for popcorn. 
I'm not going to lie. I was not worried when Notre Dame actually recovered the onside kick. It was more just like execution on our part that I was upset about. But I'm like, there's no way, no way Navy with this slow offense of theirs is scoring or moving the ball 50 yards in under in under 58 seconds when it takes them 11 minutes to move the ball 75 yards. Um, and so like once it was, it's kind of like, yes, please actually start having to throw the ball in a hurry. Cause it's only a matter of time before they do what they ended up doing, which was ending the game with it, with a pick. Um, I not going to lie though, in the first half with the way the offense was playing and knowing that, all right, this isn't Murray state. Like we went into halftime, Murray state tied and you're like, all right, it's only a matter of time. Like it's only a matter of time. We're going to kick this into gear. For a little bit in the, that first half, I was kind of a little worried. And I started I started breathing that sigh of relief in the third quarter when we actually started looking like we were about to play a complete game, play very, very well. Um, you know, we scored two touchdowns in the third quarter. It was that fourth quarter that was kind of like, man, it's like, why? Well, I why? thought the, the fourth quarter, we really packed it in on, on offense. And, and I don't want to rehash the things we've already talked yeah. about on the last podcast, but there was, there was zero effort. I mean, minimal effort to put together like a game ceiling emphatic drive in the fourth quarter. It was very half-hearted, very basic vanilla play calling there in that, in that fourth quarter. Um, all in all, I felt better about the game. My, my tension eased at the very end of that, that first half where Navy took two consecutive negative plays and then had their field goal blocked. And our first attempt ever for our kickoff specialist went through the uprights for a 52 yard field goal. That's where I was kind of like, ah, yeah, we're good. This is we're, we're home free from here. And, and sure enough, we were. So I think Joe, we may have distracted from the point you were making at the beginning, which is sometimes it's easy to forget that the close game we just experienced with Navy is not a unique thing to Cincinnati only like other, other schools across the country are experiencing close games, some on a weekly basis, some college football playoff contenders are experiencing these close games on a weekly basis against inferior competition. Um, other schools have have quarterbacks who have off games and missed throws and they throw the occasional interception. Look, the Bearcats are perfectly fine. They're performing like an elite, elite football program this year. They are one of the best in the country. They are playing their way into the college football invitational. And, uh, and, and because of that, and being 7-0 and and beating Navy on the road, we should be much more happy than we are worried. Without a doubt. And uh, to go back to that point, there's only been one playoff team ever that didn't play a one-score football game. And that was uh, the school in Columbus a couple years ago. But literally every single playoff team has played at least one close game and usually against a not very good team. So... This is not an aberration on our on our resume. It's not going to hold us back. We just got to keep winning. We got to win the aggregates the next two weeks against Tulane and Tulsa, and we'll see where we go. So on that note, Joe, let's get into your midseason report card that you posted last week at the Republic of Cincinnati.com. You you do a good job revisiting the preseason previews that you did for each position and to no one's surprise your report card came back very good the parents were pleased uh they took the kids out for ice cream after getting it back it was 
I think it was a straight A's report card. Is there, is there, what position do you think we should start with? And I don't necessarily think we need to go position by position, but maybe from an interest level, uh, things you observe that may be different from what you expected preseason or things that might be right on the money. Um, let's start first, pick a position where compared to your preseason review, things may have still gone well, but things have turned out a little differently. Where do you want to start? We got to look at that linebacking core because they were one of the last groups that we did and they've really shown out. I mean, Deshaun Pace, you know, we talked about it in the preview as he was a guy that was like starting to get some run, but man, he is a stud and you mix him and Van Fossen switching in and out. There's always fresh legs at that sniper position. I mean, those two guys have just been absolutely killing it. Beavers has looked every bit as good as advertised. Um, he leads the team in sacks. He's got three. And, you know, DeBlanco has just been steady and strong in the middle as well. So the linebacking core for, you know, as many questions as we had as to what the base defensive alignment would be and are we going to get over losing Jarrell White and those kind of things, it's been absolutely fantastic play from those guys. If you had to have one, I was not expecting that. What, what would it be on on that with that position with this position group? I don't. I couldn't have seen Pace being such a playmaker. I think he has uh, like almost six tackles for loss. So that guy's getting plays in the backfield. Um, you know, he's forced quite a few turnovers already. He had that blocked kickoff against or that blocked kick against Navy that he almost took back to the house. I mean, he's, he's a ball Hawk man. And he does not look like a linebacker, but he definitely fills that role really well. And, you know, knowing that we have him for at least another season, that's going to be pretty awesome next year to transition with some new linebackers around him. There was some buzz coming out of camp about Deshaun Pace and how good he was looking, but I do think he's probably been the biggest revelation on the team compared to what the preseason expectations were. You know, I think his, like you said, he's, he's always around the ball. Playmaker is probably the perfect word to describe him. Uh, whether it's a big tackle interception, returning kick, returning block kicks. Uh, did he actually block the kick or did he just return the kick? He blocked it and scooped it up. Madness. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. He's he, and and early in the season, I remember asking, like, I think it was one of the first couple of games, and he he gets the interception. And I did this double take at my TV and was like, oh, who's that safety? You know, like he doesn't have this look of like this overpowering linebacker, but he's that perfect hybrid of like speed, can cover well, but also brings absolute ferocity in terms of tackling and and being uh an emphatic enforcer in our linebacking core. So he's been my, my favorite player defensively to watch this year on a unit that's absolutely loaded with talent. Where should we go next, Joe? What, what position group should we talk about next in terms of either revelations or things that surprised you as the season's gone along here? Let's move up the defense a little bit and talk about the defensive line. And man, my guy, my Twitter blocky, my Jay Sanders with a zero burger in the sack category, man. I mean, he's making us all look look rough on that uh, over under. I feel like I might have been a cautious under on that, but I certainly wasn't a 
through seven games, my Jay Sanders would have zero sacks under. I know this has been talked about, and as, as the season goes along, it gets talked about more and more and more. And I imagine it's creating more pressure on my Jay to break the seal. And once the seal's broken, we'll see a string of three, four, five sacks after that. But what are you chalking it up to? Like, is it just a, is it just a matter of every team keying on him um, in terms of their blocking schemes and making sure that he's not as disruptive in the backfield? I see him back there. You know, he was, he was the reason I think that Deshaun Pace got his interception against Notre Dame uh, by, by getting in there and pressuring the quarterback. So it's not like he's not impacting the game, but it is surprising to not have a sack so far this season. Yeah, they're, they're scheming around him. You're seeing him getting double, and I've even seen like a couple times where they've got a, a running back getting ready to chip him if he gets around the edge too. So they're double and triple teaming the guy. Everyone's offense is designed to get the ball out quick, so they're not having time for really anybody to get home. So the defensive line's generated a lot of pressure. Um, they're starting to get more – tackles for loss they're starting to chalk up a sack here and there but the linebackers have escalated their play and they're you know making some of those big sack plays when our defensive line's getting eaten up but Malik Vans looked really good this year and I think he's definitely one of the big beneficiaries of them keying off on my Jay Sanders so Overall, the unit's looking really good. I'm excited to see my Jay get going because I think you're right. When he does get that first sack, he's going to get his confidence back, and it's going to be rough. No doubt. No doubt. And and he still blows people away. Every game, you know, we get these, these announcing crews that don't spend all of their time studying the Bearcats, and so as they get familiar with him, they all, they all you know, have glowing praise for – his twitchiness and ability to get off the line and, and watching him in warmups. And he's an NFL caliber caliber athlete. So it doesn't seem like the stock has been impacted too much, but just for his sake, just for his mental health, I am rooting for him to get that sack against Tulane. And I think, I think it's coming. Yeah, I, I think so too, especially if Tulane has to trot out a backup quarterback after that devastating hit that guy took last week. Can we talk about the fact that the three of us, we can maybe mix in some some over-under talk that we had before the season, but we put a beer mile on who would lead the team in receptions this season. And I believe Joe had the first pick. Hummer had the second pick. And I was stuck with the third pick. You guys left me Alec Pierce. Like, you just left him on the table, and he's and he's blowing away the competition so far and being the leading receiver from a reception standpoint for the Bearcats? Do either of you want to atone for your sins? Well, firstly, I would have loved to have picked Alec Pierce, but he hadn't shown a propensity to be healthy for an entire season at that point. Um, So that's why I didn't choose him. And I did think that Wiley and Ritter connection was going to be clicking on all cylinders this year, but it's, it's been off. I mean, there's only 11 receptions and Wiley did miss one game, but um, it seems like Lenny's kind of taken over as his go-to safety valve down there until this past week. So we'll see if he, Wiley starts getting going down the stretch. And Hummer, what, what do you have to say for yourself? What do I have to say for myself? <laughs> what do I have to say for myself? Get out of here. Michael Young Jr. has 17 receptions on the season. He's de- a clear 10 behind Mr. NFL Alec Pierce. 
uh, look, you know, it's early. It's only halfway through the season. All right. There's still time to make up here. Am I confident it's going to happen? Not at all. Alec Pierce is a beast. All right. He, he's the man. So am I preparing for a beer mile for receiving yards apps or receptions? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm already starting to prepare, prepare. Okay. Getting ready. Are you and Joe going to get competitive with it? Like, are you going to try and beat one another? What's your, what's your strategy here, Joe? There's absolutely no chance that I'm beating Hummer in a beer mile. Uh, unless he unless he needs a sippy straw to have to drink his beer from, I'm going to be completely toast. I'm just going to be I looking. A respectable. I had a respectable beer mile uh, this past this past Bearcat basketball off season. Maybe we can so, incorporate this. Like if this if this is locked up by the end of the season and we feel com- confident in it, maybe this is something we do at the final tailgate. You know, we get Hummer back in town. We get Joe on the track with him and we just, that sounds oh, awful. You open your, t- <laughs> <laughs> you open your tailgate with a beer mile. Four beers before, before the tailgate even starts right in the morning. Cause um, look, we know this is going to be our last game of the season is going to be a primetime t- kickoff, right? Eight o'clock, nine o'clock ish, somewhere around that time frame. And tailgate's going to start at 6 a.m. Well, you're you're neglecting to mention the American Championship game, which will technically be our last home tailgate of the year. Boom. That's the game. No, 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 no. I was talking about the National Championship in Indy. Oh. Oh, 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 that's that is that is it. That is that is our last. That's going to be a home game, gentlemen, home game. (laughs) You're not wrong. Hey, you know what? Those parking lots at Lucas Oil Stadium are pretty big, so we'll have plenty of room to get our jog in, you know. Um, I'm thinking maybe we go something nice and heavy, like an Imperial Stout goes down nice and easy as we just take lap after lap around this parking lot. Dude, I did Bud Heavy's last time. You masochist. Yeah, I did Bud Heavy's last time, and those were, uh, I mean, uh, I had to, uh, uh. Flashbacks. That last lap still haunts me. That last or the third, the third, the no, last lap. I thought it was the second lap that you. Was it the second lap yeah, where there was had, almost like, the a false vomit? alarm? Yeah, it was false alarm caught on camera. It was rough looking. Uh, the camera was right. Oh, was brutal. I was there. I, my videography work there was was top notch. Joe, right, me... what was the next over under? Well, yeah. What what is another over under that we made a prediction on? The one I think about is defensive touchdowns. I think we had like four and a half as the line. Is that do I have that line right? Yeah, yeah. That we did say defensive touchdowns over under four and a half. Uh Coomer, I actually didn't get your guess on that. Of course you didn't, because I was but, under heavy under uh, on that be, one. Because me and Hummer were both big time over. But <laughs> you guys were like, here's, we're gonna have seven defensive touchdowns this season. And look, we're coming up on a part of the schedule where maybe we get a few in. Here's a fun we should have had we should have two. That that beavers. Uh, uh, they're sorry, Beavers Pace. Why am I jogging my the last my game? Deshaun Pace's the block is, punt, yeah. The block, block punt <laughs> should have been number two. Block kick last game, yeah. yeah. That was a block field goal, yeah. Block field goal attempt. He definitely could have taken that one in the house. And then I think Pace also had another one that he only had like one or two guys to beat, and he ended up getting knocked out of bounds there, too. But, mm-hmm. um, I did a little research. Exactly. 
there are actually only 26 teams in the NCAA Division I football bowl subdivision that have more than one defensive touchdown. So it is rare air to get up there, but I think the green wave is going to get crashed down on this week with another defensive touchdown, and I'm going to be feeling much better about my over after this week. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not feeling good about this over. Um, I'm just not, you know, it's, yeah, it's I, you guys were on even cloud we get nine. one this week. We get one next week. That's that's that puts us up to the magic number of three and which is, which is not the magic number, which is not the magic number. It's just, it, it's like, I'm just doing, you know, the basic math that I learned, uh, you know, when I went to school, when I went to grade school, that one plus one plus one is three. And I'm still struggling to find out, figure out if there's if there's going to be a, a significant opportunity to to dash two more back back to the house. Uh, I'm just not feeling good about it, but I stand by it. This defense is good enough to get it done. Are we counting Trey Tucker's return touchdown? I don't think that counts because it's not defensive. Okay, that, we were we didn't we, did, we didn't say def- we didn't okay. say defensive special teams. This isn't like fantasy football. Okay, these have to rely on a defensive play. Yeah, and you guys were preseason. If I, I I should get the clip, it was a lot of like I mean seven. I I could see seven. You guys basically had us becoming the two thousand Baltimore Ravens. Is that the? I'm team? not fin. I'm not finished yet. Okay, I'm still standing by it. We are going to get two more in these next three games at a minimum. We've got Tulane, Tulsa, and USF. We are going to get at least two, maybe three more defensive touchdowns in this stretch. And then I only need a couple more going down the stretch, and I'm going to be good to roll. And I will. But we had zero against Miami in the stalwart of Murray State. That's because Miami didn't try and play the game. <laughs> they didn't even make an effort. If they would have tried, they probably would have thrown two like you projected, but they're a bunch of wimps. <laughs> Love it. They were they were more Navy that game than Navy was Navy. That's 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 my vibe. Let's let's have a little bit of fun. Maybe here. Navy Hummer. needs to be less Navy. <laughs> let's have some have some fun at Hummer's expense. Because my favorite preseason prediction uh by far and i knew it at the moment it left the left his foot the moment he let it fly like whatever you want whatever metaphor you want to put in there the minute this left his fingertips i knew that it was going to be an air ball and it was when hummer made the bold prediction of saying jerome ford would lead the bearcats in receiving touchdowns how many how many receiving touchdowns does jerome ford have joe as many sacks as my Jay Sanders has, which is a big old goose egg. That didn't age well, but Hummer's bullishness on Jerome Ford has paid off in other ways. And that's because Jerome Ford does have 13 rushing touchdowns already, which probably goes over from what our preseason line was. So we actually did who would have more Ford or Ritter was what our projection was. And it's 13 to three right now. And since Des Ritter doesn't really run the ball anymore, I don't see that changing. I don't see that change, but you know what? I'd like a little bit of a defense here. Okay. A little bit of an opportunity to defend this position. The, the leading touchdown score for receptions right now is three. It's a three-way tie. 
between Pierce, Scott, and Wiley. Ford has zero. All right. I can't even do the math because you can't divide by zero, but he's had nine receptions for 60 yards. He's averaging 6.7. He's getting the ball thrown. I was actually expecting some of those to actually go for touchdowns. That was why I do make that, but he is getting thrown the ball. And I still think there's an opportunity that he makes a respectable, he puts a respectable stat up there by scoring at least two. (laughs) I'm taking the under. I'm still, I'm slamming the under on two for receiving touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, if they would have just, if they would have gotten him the ball, uh, you know, more out, more out in the space, uh, let him make some plays against Navy. I think that would have been a disaster for him. For some reason, we kept wanting to just pound the ball right up the middle uh, constantly, just constantly, instead of wanting to beat their slow outside um, defense there, but whatever, I still see that he's getting the ball thrown. They are using him in that capacity. He's broken along of 23. I think it can happen. I think he can score some touchdowns by being thrown the ball. Are there any, are there any uh, bold predictions that went horribly wrong for me that we should know about Joe so that we're not just making fun of Hummer? Uh, I do, I do mm-hmm. feel a little bit bad. So if there's any of those, bring those up. And if there's any other positions you want to make sure we touch on, uh, let's also hash those out as well. I, I think I overlooked the fact that you actually did give out two Bs. You give a B plus to tight ends and you give a B to special teams, which frankly, the B seems friendly. Frankly, the B seems like benefit of the doubt because the rest of the team did so well. And the teacher's looking at the, at the student and saying, look, they did so well in every other subject. They just really couldn't seem to, to figure out physical education. Like they, they, they only ran two laps of their four lap mile or, um, you know, they're always the first kid out in dodgeball. You just kind of threw them a bone on, 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 on Jim Ed in this case. Yeah, the special teams group, uh, they turned in their group project. And unfortunately, the kicking room didn't do their part of the project. So I couldn't fail everybody because of a couple bad eggs. So what I said was, we'll give the kicking room an extension, see if we can get that project turned in. And last week, here we are, 52-yard field goal, ugly as hell, but goes through. And then the uh, freshman from Georgia bangs in a 32-yarder. So overall, special teams has been good. Um, punting's been great. The punt and kick returns have been pretty solid. Kickoffs were, have been hit or miss. Kickoffs have improved. Improved, but, but still struggle yeah, at times. Again, that's that's all part of the kicking room. They just – they're holding everybody back a little bit. But I think uh, we'll give them an opportunity to earn their grade back. And hopefully we get a better hands team in on an onside kick. Cause man, nobody touched that ball from our team. It was like, it had COVID nobody wanted it. <laughs> yes. They, they did not even pursue the ball, Joe. That was, that was one of the weirdest attempts at an onside recovery. I can remember seeing. And then tight ends B plus feels harsh. Gotta be honest. Lenny Taylor has yeah, surpassed expectations. Uh, Wiley, while the the overall aggregate stats aren't there from a catch standpoint, still has several tu- couple touchdowns now. Three touchdowns or two? Yeah, he he has three. He had three one. tutties. He had one going into last week when I wrote the article. So pretty sure he's blocked a punt. You know he's been so he he's been... read he read your article and was like, "Screw this guy, screw the councilman. I'm coming out this week. I'm coming out and scoring two touchdowns." 
And, and I'm really excited to see that because I was hoping I would get in his head a little bit. You know, he likes to talk a lot of smack and do a little dance, get yelled at by the ref, but you know, he can earn that a back. He's not too far off, but, but Len, Lenny's been really good. It's just, I was expecting a lot more. And also they may have got dinged because I might have to run a beer mile because Wally Lee hasn't been getting the ball. <laughs> You're taking it very personally. This very, is, this isn't a personal attack from Josh Wiley on, on, on your sake. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely use the run, but you know, let me decide if I'm going to do it. Don't put it in. Don't leave your destiny up to me. Wiley. Come on. Hummer. Are we going to have to have Joe sign a waiver before doing this beer mile? Are we going <laughs> to, are we going to have to bust out the corporate legalese and make sure that we're not held, held uh, liable for, for whatever happens from this beer mile? It uh, looks like we're going to have to call uh, Bernard Fox. <laughs> True. <laughs> we'll, we'll consult with Bernard and, and get back to you. All right. Any other bets uh, or preseason predictions we should revisit before we wrap this segment up, sir? The only other thing we did Ritter sacks uh, total over under 20 and a half. And we're sitting at nine right now. So we're kind of on pace to be on under, which is, is kind of listed as official 10 but we're still on pace with the under. I, what I had read was it's 10 for the team. And I think that our good friend, Evan Prater has taken one. Once again, Ah. this is just going by ESPN. ESPN has it down as a zero for Evan and for Desmond. He had, they have it at 10 either way. I still think that that's a tremendous stat and we're definitely on pace for the under there. Yeah, we're, we're looking good from that standpoint. I think a big part of that and kind of what I hit on uh, when we discussed this originally was I was expecting Ritter to run a lot more. So a lot of those runs get credited as sacks where they're really kind of just a tackle for loss. And it's been really surprising to see Des not use his wheels. And, you know, I like seeing his arm action and, and it's well and good, but I think in the Navy game, he really could have came out and busted a few runs out and opened up that defense a little bit. But again, why risk the injury? If you know, you can beat the team, you know, I don't know. I was just expecting him to rush for a lot more yardage this year and he's not been using his legs. I get the call for like, quote unquote, not risking the injury, but like when that's more than likely going to be a pivotal tool for success in big games, like I think you should be using it. It's in your arsenal. It's one of the things he excels at. It's one of the things that opens up the rest of the field for, for everybody else, even more so than what they've already been opened up. And I, I do think that's an, a contributor to the lack of consistency that we have seen on t- at times with offense is the fact that we're not letting Des be Des at times because his arm strength, like that was our big worry coming into the season. If we go back, I think to some of those question marks we had, but it's proven really not to be that big of an issue with him. He's been relatively, you know, accurate with throwing. He, he does have some that have been falling short, but, you know, getting him into that rhythm and when he starts to run a little bit, it seems like he just relaxes a little bit, makes, makes, makes better, makes more plays. And so I do want to see them open that up in risk of injury. I guess be damned just you know you do gotta be smart about it yeah it's almost like he needs to get amped up and some sometimes early he hasn't looked amped up and then sometimes you know he comes out of the half and he looks like a different guy so 
I'd like to see a little more consistency out of him from game to game, just like coming out ready to play and, you know, just torching these, the rest of this garbage on our schedule. I think the schedule is to blame for some of this. I, I truly think there's just something mentally that happens when you play teams that are one in five, one in five, like week after week after week, you're matched up against teams that simply have far inferior talent. And you know that you could just beat them. I mean, almost by rolling out of bed, you know, you hate to say it, you got to show up, you got to focus, you got to execute. And I'm sure Luke Fickle would hate the words that are coming out of my mouth right now, but it's true. These teams are terrible. And I think that mentally it, it can be a hindrance to guys getting as locked in and amped up and bringing the most out of themselves that they possibly can. When Des is challenged at, at the most challenging moments, historically, he has his biggest place. And he, and he responds by utilizing and incorporating runs into the offense. And so when you see these drives, you know, stalling out or getting into more third and long situations, that's because we're not running the ball as much. We're not using Dez as much as a running threat. So hopefully we see that ramp up as the season goes along, because I think what we're building toward here, which is the college football playoff, I best believe he's going to need 10 plus carries in that game, whoever that's against. Yeah, he's not going to be able to have the game he had against Georgia with his legs either if we're going to have success in that game because he had eight sacks against Georgia and 10 the rest of the year, which is not great. <laughs> not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great. All right, let me ask you guys. How are we feeling? Are we still feeling national championship? We're still ready to compete. Did Navy put a little ding in you? Or are no. we ready to go, boys? Did you just, did you just hear me talk about where we're running that we, we where we might run the beer mile? Lucas Oil Stadium, baby. It's national championship or bust at this point. That's where I feel this team is headed, and that's at least what we should be given a shot to contend for. I believe we're going to do what we need to do going on uh, here on out in order to obtain that. In other words, we're going to absolutely demolish Tulane. We're going to demolish Tulane. All right, here's – I'm going to go on this tangent right now. It feels perfect. All right, the 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 Tulane, the Tula Net, Tula.net, Tulane football message boards, first comment regarding the University of Cincinnati Tulane matchup. I know I can find them out on campus on game day, but I figure I'd come here first. I'm looking for two extra tickets. If any, any of you have one, let me know, okay? Second comment. Why would you do this to yourself, Steve? We all know what's going to happen. They're going to score a lot. And we cuss ourselves and call for termination of the entire staff. <laughs> Tulane knows what's up. Respect Tulane for knowing what's up. I got. I guess I can't really rant on them too much, but we know what the Bearcats are going to do these next three games. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be disgusting. Tulane's going to be even especially disgusting. I think maybe the first 70 bag uh, we put on the board in a long time simply because, you know, you don't come out making Luke Fickle look like we barely beat Navy and expect the next team to just have this oh, roses and sunshine, beautiful open fields. No, it's going to be darkness and hell for Tulane. All right. New Orleans is going to be the center of hell, but at least they get to go out and enjoy incredibly strong drinks on Bourbon Street afterwards to wash away their sorrows. Tulsa, are you in a desert somewhere? Does it even matter? Get out of here. You South Florida. The left behind South Florida, not worried. Yeah, and I'm I'm just getting so I'm getting excited 
about SMU. And actually, I'm, I'm actually excited about the, the, this matchup against SMU in Houston. Cannot wait. Want to see actually Houston uh, lose that game. <laughs> so I want to see SMU remain perfect since it seems like they have a legitimate shot of cracking the top 15 by the time we play them. And it's going to be a bloodbath when we play them anyway. So the answer to your question, Joe, is that, yes, uh, Hummer was greatly influenced by the Navy game and, and is now in, you know, deep in his sorrows and, and doesn't see things going in the same positive way. No, Joe, this is an undefeated season. The, one, the biggest thing we were right about before the season was having that big, thick energy all year, bringing the confidence. I think one of the funniest things to happen from that Notre Dame week was <laughs> people writing us like, man, you guys are homers. And then, you know, you're like, uh, I guess you haven't listened to the podcast before a, but B that's the energy of the team this year. This is the greatest football team in UC history. Let's act accordingly. The only thing in my mind that has changed from preseason to where we are now after week eight is the fact that instead of talking about getting to the college football playoff, we're talking about winning the college football playoff. That's the only thing that's changed. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Loving the energy boys. I get, you got to be thankful to these seniors that came back. They saw the vision early fickle in fick. We trust he, he showed his vision. He said, I will take you to the Holy land. I will take you to Indianapolis. We will win our third game in Indiana in one year. Hallelujah. Before you part, Joe, we, before, before you become the dearly departed from the podcast this evening, two questions. One, give us your MVP for the one MVP offensive player, one MVP defensive player. The offensive MVP is a no brainer. It's Jerome Ford. We thought he was going to be great. He's exceeded expectations. He's still got a great shot to crush the single season rushing and touchdown record. Navy did all they could to stop him. He still had a pretty solid game. The rest of these teams are in big time trouble with Jerome Ford, especially USF, because they were in the mix for him as a high score recruit. So I think he's going to put on a show in Tampa, baby. Defensive MVP, you got to go with Deshaun Pace. I mean, he's just got a knack for finding the play, finding the ball. That entire defense is so good. I mean, you've got a guy in Arquan Bush who is kind of the slot corner and he leads the team in interceptions right now. But but Pace has been really strong and and I look forward to seeing him in a Bearcats jersey for the next couple of years because it's going to be special having him around. I totally agree on Jerome Ford. I think that that's a clear-cut winner for offensive MVP so far, especially what he's done in conference play. Defensively, Pace is certainly my – like that's what my heart wants to say is Deshaun Pace being the MVP. I think there's still a strong case to be made for Ahmad Gardner given – the luxury that he gives everyone else on defense. Like I've got everything taken care of over here, boys balls, not coming this way. And he stepped his game up this year and is tackling like hell in the run game, his ability to, to actually support and run defense, track down runners when they break free. Like I think sauce has been really, really impressive despite not getting as many opportunities to showcase his skills because of how afraid other teams are at throwing up, throwing at him. 
And I agree. We have the unanimous Jerome Ford offensive player of the midseason. And defense, you know, I kind of want to give it to a guy who's not getting, I guess, in my opinion, enough recognition with this Joel Dublanco. Yeah, he's just he's been a a kind of a steady in there every play, uh, getting a lot of attack tackles, having a lot of assists, getting uh, a lot of sacks um, or decent amount of sacks. I don't say a lot. It's not like he's out there blowing up a sack a game or anything, but he seems to be involved in a lot of plays. Uh, and you're seeing his name mentioned a lot more, but you're not seeing it mentioned in the, in the same light as Pace, Beavers, Cook, Gardner. You know, he's just another element of this team that makes it stack. So he actually gets my uh, under the radar MVP award. Um, but like everybody on this team in this defense, honestly, I think anybody could take away, you know, walk off the field with the defensive MVP at this point. Just listening to those names, the defense is so loaded. They're so stacked. Yeah, it is really unfair. Let's didn't even mention Sanders. (laughs) Yeah, or Brian Cook. I mean, that guy is like a missile launcher, dude. I mean, the the defense on the whole, it's so hard to pick a defensive MVP because literally every single one of them is extremely important and they're all very good. They they elevate one another. It's 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 cliche, but it's true in their case. Fellas, let's leave it there. Joe, it's been great talking to you and catching up after a a few weeks off here. We will be sure to touch base with you as the season goes on. Anything to plug, Joe? Any any tidbits from your councilman perch or any... Any Twitter things you want to share or or push? I think there's there's a vote going on for the Republic of Cincinnati tailgate that we have shared. Make sure you go vote for them. Help Mike G get a dub. He deserves it. It's a hell of a tailgate. Uh, but Joe, floor is yours. Anything you want to pitch or plug? Go ahead. Uh, I would just say if if people haven't read my mid-season report card article, I would greatly appreciate you checking out on that. I spent way too much time on it. I'm I'm ashamed at how much time I spent on it, but I think it turned out pretty well. Um, and if you guys haven't checked out the Republic of Cincinnati tailgate, I will definitely be there. So if you see me or hear my obnoxious voice or see me playing thunderstruck or possibly bonging a beer i'm your guy so come up say hi i've met quite a few people that have uh you know mentioned the podcast and whatnot so always excited to meet all you bearcat fans and uh yeah i'm pumped we got a few more to go but i'll see you boys in indianapolis see you there buddy go bearcats guys We are now joined by Gambling Sam. The Sam Antics is back on the podcast, Mr. Sam Elliott, to help us break down this week's odds for the Bearcats against Tulane. So I guess it's more of the can they cover, won't they cover, what's the over-under? And Sam, you teased it before we, we went live here. Sounds like you got a little basketball too. Welcome back to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast, buddy. It is such a pleasure to be back with you, gentlemen, after a victory, at least. Uh, yeah, a, vict- like, a victory. And, and but like I saw a football season life flash before its eyes there did you for though? a split second. Did you, though? We were never Man, close to losing that game. Listen to me. Listen, real quick. All I have this football season is the Bearcats number ranked number two in the country. Okay. 
my fantasy, both my fantasy teams are so unlucky and just god awful. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I have weekends. I'm not gonna let you talk about your fantasy team on this. Podcast, I have weekends man. like last weekend where you go to the sports book and they take you out no, back we and, can't talk and about fantasy football put you put it. you out of your misery. <laughs> so look for just like a fleeting second, the very possibility of a of a Bearcats loss, you know. It was never in doubt. Sports. We never went below 80% chance of winning that game. Always it was a one possession hand. game in the fourth quarter. I don't care. It was one possession game. Okay. Just for a split second, the thought enters your mind. And then, I, I mean, that was me like standing too close to the edge of the cliff. I, you know, I had to get pulled back in with the win. All of these years <sighs> of, of torture, Cincinnati sports has made us all snowflakes. Toughen up. Exactly. Come on. Harden. Be hard. Get hard. This I, this is all I have going for me. It's this team, okay? I got nothing else. So um, I, I'm I'm going to call you on one thing though from last week, right? Just to rein this in, I remember saying that one of the biggest games of the weekend was Oklahoma Kansas before I was abruptly shot down. Abruptly shot oh down. Oh my god! I forgot about that. Games. <laughs> Was there ever a? I mean, look. I know people want to get their the hopes up that Kansas Actually almost won that, that game. game. Guys, spoiler alert: Kansas didn't almost win that game. All right, they're Kansas. There was never actually a doubt, even though there kind of was. Come on, Coomer. You know you thought about it. You they know did. you were excited through that first half, a hundred percent. Even going in the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter, you're still like, oh, "Wow, they can kind of do this." Yeah, I was touching my nipples a little bit. Let's um, <laughs> let's get into the lines. I don't know how much recapping we want to do from last week. I'm pretty sure Hummer wavered it all and lost forget about everything. It. Let's forget about wipe last and clear. Week. It's a wipe and clear play. You know, snap next yep. play. Short yep. memory. You put the past behind you. We're let's put on. the past behind you, and let's talk about Tulane. Where are we at, Sam? Bearcats minus twenty four and a half. Uh, over under though high this week sixty one and a half. Um, Tulane has played in some high scoring games, um, mostly because they've given up a lot of points, uh, especially lately, three straight losses with like getting scored at least between 40 and 55 points. Uh, so yeah, one and six on the year, two and five against the spread. They haven't covered since beating Morgan state in week two, um, they're so yeah, they're on a on a real streak here. Of, I have to uh, ask, is Michael Pratt alive? And if he's alive, is there any remote possibility of him playing against Cincinnati? Because last week in their game against SMU, he was obliterated with a crushing hit that was a Rorschach test of what you actually think targeting is. By the way, I'm on team that wasn't targeting. I'm I'm in the camp of that actually wasn't targeting. This. That was just a brutal football hit, but no, he took a massive shot. It wasn't so much the hit. It was him bouncing off. Oh yeah. His head bounced off the turf, like a basketball. From what I'm reading here, he's in concussion protocol. His status is still uncertain, but I do think that plays a role in how we view this game. So big over under 24 and a half. You got to feel good about that. If you're a Bearcat fan, in my opinion. Yeah. You would certainly hope to see a real like, bounce back game from the offense you would really hope that Ritter Ford those guys those receivers all just want to come out and and go put a scoring drive together like right away just put a 
get some first downs under your belt right away, get into a rhythm, put last week behind you, and be a, be a goldfish. Be a and goldfish. go get go get 40, 40 plus points. Yeah. I think 40 50, plus 50 plus against this team, by the way, well, 50 well plus if you think that if 70. you think that if you think that then you're going to be interested in the UC team total sitting at the over under of 43. I can't take them all because I went back to one unit this week. So that sucks. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, it's not your credit is your credit is is pristine. Second mortgage, buddy. Second mortgaging here because approved. Uh, this is going to be a 70 bag. We're throwing 70 points up this week. Whew. You got to hope here. Here's one note I just saw. So here's a fun if, game, if, though. Well, like real quick, real miss. Quick, if Michael Pratt does not play, they will be playing a first time starting freshman quarterback. Kai Horton will get his first career start versus the nation's number one ranked pass efficiency defense. Factor that into, into your decision making here. And by the get way, you, Michael get Pratt. Get your hot sauce out. A man almost died last week, okay? This man man almost died last week. Eight times. Look, these defensive backs are going to be all over this. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. It might be another Navy game. They might only run. 70. 70 points. Oh, yeah. We need the offense. to be scored by the Bearcats. The over will be taken care of by the Bearcats themselves. They won't even need Tulane to show up for this game in order to complete both tasks, which is covering the spread and hitting the over. So the most points Tulane has given up this year was 61, 61 against Ole Miss. Um, they lost that game by 40. Uh, so yeah, they, they gave did not up cover. 40 to Houston. They gave up 52 to ECU, 55 to SMU. We're, See, that's we're what's so 70. interesting is that it's, yeah, it's SMU and then the Bearcats back-to-back because everybody well, is really, it, like, people are really starting to talk about that SMU offense, so this is going to be a, you know, measuring funny. stick against both. It's funny that you are that confident, Humber, though, because if there's a weakness in our team, it's our offense's ability to be consistent throughout an entire game. Every game this season, we've seen some struggles in some capacity, and we're coming off a game against Navy where they they were less than stellar, especially in stringing drives together. So 70 seems a bit like a reach, my friend. But 40, Ford, 42, Ford himself, 49 Ford, points. Ford himself, Ford himself is going to have four rushing touchdowns. Des Ritter is going to have four passing touchdowns. And then we're just going to have – he's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get where this is coming from. So then we get two more <laughs> defensive touchdowns. Two defensive touchdowns, we're in. I got to take off my shoes and socks for this math. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to even try and do the math, but I will say this, Sam. I'd like to allocate a unit onto the Bearcats covering 24 and a half. Um, I will certainly be reaching out to you after this podcast about that line. I also... um, I like so the- here's the full menu here for you, though, like just for the, the first half lines of Bearcats minus 14 and over under 33 um, at first quarter. I, I This one's always it's always like this. You see you know, Bearcats minus seven uh, over under 14 this week, though. Oh, and the Tulane over under because I know the opposing team over under is your favorite Coomer Tulane over under uh, right at like 18. Okay, 
I, I, I'm, I'm ready with my decision then. I'm going to take the Bearcats to cover 24 and a half. I'm putting one unit there. I'm putting a unit on the Bearcats hitting their team over of 42 and a half, I believe you said. And I'm putting a 43. 43 and a half? Right there, back and forth. We're going, we're saying 43 for us. Uh, I envision 49 points. Okay. Um, and then, and then I'm also taking the two lane under. That's a, that's a Coomer right. exclusive. The opponent is going under this week, ladies and gentlemen. And you know that my Navy over was a lock last week. We saw it deliver <laughs> early in that first half. This is a specialty, best, people. Best believe I was texting Sam and Hummer about that. This is the. That's right. I was, bragging, week. I was bragging about Navy's first half performance. <laughs> well, well, <sighs> the lock for the over got to be there. I don't, I don't even have, but if, if I have a stellar pristine credit here, uh, we're definitely taking that along with the, the game over the Bearcats over. And sure, I'll go with Coomer's Tulane under. I don't. I, I think it's gonna be all Bearcats. How, how is this one unit being spent across four different uh, bets? Is this, can, uh, is this a quarter, baby? Quarter. Is this a fantasy, fantasy funny money math? You're fantasy fine. land parlay here. Like, what's going? Absolutely. On? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going back to the well on the first quarter cover. Okay. If they can really get out early, get a touchdown. I don't think they're gonna give one up. So. Come on. First quarter, Bearcats minus seven. Lock me in there. Lock me in on the team over. I really think they need to put it all, put it together consistently enough to hit 44, 45, 46, 47 at least. And then also, I could dip back in on the Bearcats first half cover at minus 14. Easy two touchdown lead. That shouldn't be too hard, right? You, you love the first half, first quarter specials. I'm I, a sucker. Don't I listen to charming. me, people. Never listen to me. Never listen to anybody. Um, let's let's hear a little bit about these these basketball props, Sam. I want to get into basketball. Oh. I want to hear what you've what you've learned, what you've discovered. Let's talk about it. Let's see what what's up. What's what here? All right. So, what's really funny is. Bearcats national championship preseason odds. Exactly what the Bearcats football team preseason odds national championship were at plus 15,000. So, you know, I think we could pull off the double. But hey, not as confident. I don't have, Bearcats, I don't uh, have the big thick energy for basketball <laughs> in the same way. I'm not very great excited. Yet. I'm bullish. I'm more bullish than the uh, average. If you only want to go guy. with the final four, if you only want to bet on Bearcats' final four appearance, you're going to get plus 3,000. Not bad. But um, look, here's where I think things are the most interesting. I got uh, a recently, this is new, from a new new book, new, new source here in Indiana. Uh, American Athletic Conference, Championship Odds. Memphis, the early favorite, plus 180. Houston, right behind, plus 200. And then Wichita State, SMU, and I don't like this. I hate that they're ahead of us. UCF, all at plus 700. And then the Bearcats at plus 800. Nobody else even close. The rest of the conference is at plus 5,000 and above. So books think this is a one, two, three, four, five, six team race. And 
yeah, Bearcats uh, sixth by the Vegas the books here. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure they're including us in that race. I would certainly be sprinkling a little bit of uh, unit unitary on Houston. I think that Penny and Memphis being the, oh, the odds-on favorite to win the conference, despite He's the their off-season talent, champion. No, yeah, you fade He's the off-season Penny. champion. Go with Kelvin Sampson. That is a safe bet. That man can coach his ass off, and their team is talented. So they would be my favorite. Forget, they made a Final Four last year. Yeah, they did. They lost some don't good for, players. People, people don't, don't forget. People they don't do forget. forget. Quentin Grimes is, is quite the player, though, and he's, he's now a New York Nick. I would say i dabble on UC because the path for the Bearcats basketball team to, to compete for the actual title is being a relentlessly amazing defensive team. Hummer and I talked about it last week, and and the team actually posted it on social media, not our podcast, but a a stat about the shot-blocking combination of Hayden Koval, the current active leader in in blocked shots in college basketball, like 347 blocks, unbelievable total. Who knew? And then then Abdullah Doe, I think, is second in the country in active blocks. The the post-defense, the rim protection is going to be elite. The reports early on here are that Victor Lockin is the real deal and is showing things that, that are blowing people's mind. That's a third option at center for right the Bearcats. Um, and so I think if it does turn into an elite, ferocious, tenacious defense, that in itself, as we've seen many times before with Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins, that can win you a lot of games. And so I wouldn't count out the Bearcats, and I would sprinkle a little bit of unitry on on the Bearcats as well. Certainly not Central Florida. Certainly not Central Florida. I don't understand. How are they? How are they that? How are they above the Bearcats? I don't get it. What's your reaction to those basketball odds, Summer? I think I think this team is going to be underrated. I think this team is returning. I think most of these odds are relying on the Bearcats being you know, not solely off Kempom, but but pretty lowly. I think one seventeen starting the season off in Kempom, uh, and that's coming from the fact that there's a lot of new faces to the roster, uh, and that typically doesn't lead to success. Where I think that's a little different is not going to necessarily apply to the Cats. Is that a lot of these new players have are familiar with Wes Miller already? Almost all of the new faces are familiar with Wes. All of the returning players are familiar with. Cincinnati. So, and one one way shape or one way shape or form, they're 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 familiar with each other from from that perspective. And I just think this team is um, maybe call it a little bit of that homer optimism, you know. For I guess on the basketball front, because typically, like it's just I don't have a lot of empirical evidence to go off of. I haven't watched them play. I haven't watched them practice. But just knowing these guys that we have returning, I'm not. I'm just not that worried. This is going to be at least an entertaining season at worst. Right. Or at best we look, if John Brandon for all of his craziness and just being an absolute psycho. Unbelievable. Did said, said that said the devil's name. Look, that team did make it. They did. They did do a couple upsets in the conference tournament. Uh, You know, they did. What can we say? We did have some upsets there. This team is it can do that as well, and I think we have a better coach at the helm with it. So I'm I'm just not as worried. I think we're underrated. Uh, I think we should finish third in this conference. Six, I think, is a little too low. I'd we love don't... if you could get if you could get like 
top three odds and maybe closer to the season. Some books will get a little more specific. You could get a, t- uh, you know, pick a team to finish top three in their conference. That would be perfect. Agreed. Agreed. Cause I think, I think the Bearcats winning the conference seems a little more unlikely. I feel that that two to three range is, is nice. Um, last season, there was no team in this conference that outclassed us except for Houston, which beat us by damn near 40 twice. And that, I'm not sure that we were, they were 40 points better than us. I think that was more of a, a complete mismatch on the coaching yeah. front, on the front court side. And that we've cleaned up, <laughs> we've cleaned up our front court this year. It's a complete different uh, situation. Hummer's cackling. I need to hear what, what he's do you cackling. do? What do you, what do you, all right. All right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just guys, guys, question. We just played this team, right? The Sparkle Whales have just played the Houston Mega Dolphins, and the Mega Dolphins just whooped the Sparkle Whales by forty points. And you have to play them again a few weeks later. Does is your strategy to do the exact same thing you did the first time you lost by forty, or do you do you try to change it up a little bit? You know, it it needs more cowbell. What it needs is it needs more cowbell, and that cowbell is Chris Vogt. You need more cowbell in this offense. Oh my god! Oh, that's what I'm talking about. I, we have a different guy at the helm this year. I'm not as I'm not as worried about these, you know, just insane ideas that you have to play your your son an absorbent amount of minutes every time you every time you hit the court. We, I don't even know where to go from here, but I, I will say this. I think it's fun uh, to kind of, I do see there's at least a path for the Bearcats to get there. And it's just, if they end up being a top 10 defense in the country, they could be vying for an American athletic conference title. And and then as we'll talk about either, we'll probably talk about on, on another episode, but the offense is a very much a wild card. It's hard to predict exactly what this looks like. Tons of hype about David DeJulius. Obviously, there's some shooters with AJ McGinnis and Mason Madsen, but you, other than that, like Ado, Oguama, Newman, like these aren't offensive stalwarts. These are defensive beasts. And so, how Wes Miller and his staff get the most out of this team offensively is TBD. I'll be curious how they kind of piece this thing together. But there's anytime, if you could be a top 10 defensive team in the country, You've got a path to compete for a conference title, in my opinion. Yeah, that was Mick Cronin's. Uh, you know, that was that was his the name of his Bible. Prepare for sixty three to fifty nine again, folks. Prepare. Oh boy. Well, let's leave it there. Any any final thoughts or final uh, allocations from you two gents, Sam? Just go ahead and mark me down for a Bearcat AAC. AAC title. Go ahead, go ahead lock, and put a unit just down. Lock him in. Just lock me in just, for that future. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, we should all be locking in for the. You talking about conference champion or tournament championship? I guess we don't have tournament odds out yet, do we? No. Um, Con- so most of the, well, no, like most of the preseason book odds right now are for the are still for like the conference tournament champion. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta. Everybody has to throw a unit down on that. That's the. You're not a Bearcat fan if you don't believe that they have a chance. That's right. It's the hopeless optimist in me. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the adjustment period 
for this new coach I'll put the mortgage on it goes a lot better than it did the last time we had a new coach so i have Couldn't to think go on that. much worse I have to believe no i mean hopefully he's not uh who would be the equivalent of benching jaron cumberland in the first five games as as head coach who would who would it be this season would it be uh if there's so many new faces, it's hard to really say. It'd be like, I guess it'd be David DeJulius, but there really is no equivalent. So it would folks, be it would be benching Jeremiah Davenport in first with Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Games. It would be it would be Davenport. And and here's <laughs> the thing, we've already gone far too long and far too heavy on the on the old tenure. Although I I do think it was fun and it was in good good, in good fun in good spirits. So I will leave it there, gents. Sammy, appreciate you coming back on. Appreciate you dropping the knowledge about the gambling lines. And the people are asking for it. They want it. CincySlangin.com is up and running. And they are looking for some old school semantics writing. I'm content. Putting, content, baby. I'm putting it out content. there. I want you writing for us. Content. I want you writing for us. And if there's She's any ghost for- in full on blast. You just the ghosts of content right past are coming. They're calling. <laughs> if you're a content maker, talk to Hummer and I. DM us. <laughs> If you're a content maker, Look, and that, that includes social, slide if into you're those a content DMs, maker, people. slide into our DMs, please. There was a there was a time, ladies and gentlemen. There was a slide there was a DMs. time where the news record didn't produce content three to four days late. That it was funny, it was witty, it was intelligent, eloquent. That was a time when Sam Antics was writing the columns. We're bringing it back, baby. Under the, it back. under the tutelage of Keith Jenkins, I believe. Which Keith was the editor in chief my freshman year. Yeah. There you go. So like, I mean, I was like just getting involved. There barely. you go. There you have it. All right, gents. Let's leave it there. This is is, is dragging on. But fellas, we'll talk to you at, during the Tulane game and, and see you next week, Sam. Can't wait. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats. <laughs>